Michael? Michael? Say something! Welcome to Movie Marathon with Andrew and Mike. Uh, this is Mike, the delightful voice you heard at the beginning doing a flawless impersonation of the opening of halloween 2018 was andrew uh today we're talking about uh as i mentioned halloween 2018 uh we new podcast record in length on halloween 78 <laughs> the original one which was a blast to do i think this one we're going to go break up a marriage <laughs> yeah so this one will probably go a little podcast. shorter for the sake of um probably just families more so yeah uh they did not seem to appreciate the pretty clear message that John Carpenter's Halloween was more important than spending time with them. <laughs> but, I, uh, uh, but <laughs> I, so when I, this one's I, only I like 12 minutes long, <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're done. I just wanted to scream that so right into it. I think we're, we're we're good movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good movie. I really enjoyed it. Biggest box office of the Halloween franchise and done. Nice. <laughs> I, uh... We'll be back with Halloween kills. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, obviously the 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 sort of non-canon follow-up to to the 1978 movie we talked about uh, last week. Um, this uh, we uh, again we took a very specific uh, tact for for changing course. Uh, I think we're ignoring 10 to 11 movies. Uh, <laughs> well, so did but, so did this movie. So that's perfect. <laughs> exactly. We're we're kind of following the, this this uh, Blumhouse uh, trajectory of, of of Halloween, but I think. I think probably for the better. Um, that was definitely something we wanted to talk about a little bit today. Was the the history of sequels for this, and probably why we're 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 dumping <laughs> uh, movies from 1981 all the way through <laughs> uh, 2000, I guess uh, 2017. Um, but it's for good reason, and I think it's it's to uh, sort of establish reestablish the new canon um, of this uh, of this series and. Uh, Hey, if it's ha- good enough for Kenny Powers, it's good enough for me. Yeah, well, we're gonna come to that in a second too. <laughs> I, I totally. There's a lot of stuff I forgot about this movie. Uh, first and foremost, I forgot uh, Kenny fucking Powers. <laughs> I'll make this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, um, Mike, do you want to explain all of the uh, the conceptual things that they decided to throw out with this when when they moved away from basically Halloween two all the way through? Uh, the the reboot by uh, Rob Zombie? Uh, not really. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll I'm, just, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, but feel free to um, tackle on because this is actually why I was excited to do these movies in this way. Uh, but I I still struggle with it even watching them. Um, so I I will definitely need help <laughs> explaining um the concept. It's one like I understand um intellectually. I think emotionally watching the movies, my brain struggles with particularly the last time or the first time I watched this movie. This was only the second time I'd seen it watching for the podcast. Um, I was watching it out doing like a run of the Halloween movies. And it's really jarring to go watch like the original 78 and go through like what, I don't know, the 10, 11, whatever sequels there are. And then just be like, throw all that out. But then this movie like casually seems to reference those movies a bit. Obviously, yeah. the characters are the same, but then there's like important plot points, even from like the first movie that are, I guess not from the first movie, they just capture him is the big change, but that's just like was never seen before. 
Well, I think uh, the the big thing they throw out, I think, is the uh, the dynamic of Laurie Strode being Michael Myers' sister, which, uh, as we talked about last episode, I think was John Carpenter conceptually made that when he was piss ass drunk <laughs> trying to come up with a sequel, um, <laughs> and great. It's one of those. Th- oh, and then also that he was inspired. Michael Myers was was somehow motivated by. I'm gonna probably get this wrong, but. Uh, an Irish uh, death cult. I don't really. <laughs> uh, it's like some sort of Irish supernaturalism that was uh, that was motivating Michael Myers. So they, they actually very wisely uh, threw a lot of that stuff out. I'd say uh, with with nothing really being uh, left behind that was that was of importance besides really the, the dynamic between Laurie and Michael. Yeah, to an extent Loomis. And it's not unreasonable to do. It's it's with so many sequels, so many different people tackled it, and and it already relaunched it with Rob Zombie, kind of yeah. starting over again. Which I mean, we, I don't know if we'll ever cover those uh, movies. But I, I don't I don't want to watch them again. Um, um, I would say did not go great, um, but I think uh, the movies financially did fine. Yeah. Um, but there's so much baggage from the crazy cult stuff. The and then. Even trying, like at times, to like bring in Halloween three things into the world, and um, it, yeah, when it's, I don't know, I gets to the point where like Michael was like an engineered creation to by this uh, cult, the to, cult of Thorn. Yeah, uh, it, it just to do a proper sequel following all of that, um, and then then never mind getting into Buster Rhymes doing Kung Fu to dis- dispatch Michael on a web, um, on a webcast on a game yeah. show webcast. <laughs> uh, you can understand like going into this, why someone would be like, I do not want to have to write around all of that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 it was, fu- it's funny to me because uh, they, they introduced a lot of these, these sort of, uh, they put the groundwork down for this stuff in, in Halloween two which takes place immediately after uh, Halloween 1, the 1978 Halloween 1. And it's funny that even at the end of that movie, they introduce all these things and then they, they set up an ending where it's you, you believe there's no way Michael Myers could have survived it, human or not. They basically, uh, <laughs> long, long story short, um, Laurie Strode's trapped at the uh, local hospital uh, recovering after everything that had happened on the night of Halloween. And between her and Loomis, uh we're really loomis uh he blows up an entire uh, operating room in the hospital with oxygen tanks with him and michael trapped inside and then there's this uh flaming uh fire suit looking guy just comes kind of bounding out and falls over and burns up it's very clear it's michael myers but yet, yeah they're it's like, pretty, no, like we, we're gonna bring him back from that uh, yeah and it really feels like the filmmaker is like maybe carpenter like like i'm putting the nail in the coffin yeah, here like it is gonna make done. it like it he cannot come done. back. <laughs> well, and so that was what I one one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Carpenter. You know, the people who I think I touched on it last week, but the people who who really made this franchise are also the people who probably were responsible for arguably when it could have made its most money in its heyday were the ones who held it back. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, obviously in hindsight, but uh, Carpenter uh, was the writer director. Uh, Deborah Hill was the producer. And they were notoriously were were sort of resistant to coming back to the Halloween franchise for sequels. Uh, it, we talked about it last week, but 
Halloween one, the way it was set up was never really established to be, had to have a sequel. You know, the whole ending was, was so perfect because you, you have this unknown of what happens next. Right. Yeah. To make a sequel just undercuts that perfect ending. And so I could fully understand the creators being like, no, like if you want to make a sequel, you didn't get the point of the movie. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and so that was my, my favorite thing I, I, I'd read in uh, one of the books I've, or two of the books I've read and actually audio books. And I think, I do the math on how much time I've put into this. It's it's a little frightening. <laughs> uh, but I listened to uh, Taking Shape One and Taking Shape Two. Taking Shape Two was about all the abandoned <laughs> sequel ideas that were out there for uh, for Halloween across between probably mid eighties all the way up through the. I've only gotten up through the mid nineties, so I, I haven't finished the second <laughs> one yet. But uh, it's twenty hours of just talking about insane sequels that that didn't make it. So it's it's a little tough sometimes to get through. And considering but, what did make it, I can. <laughs> Yeah, we did make it. So so here are the ideas. I'll just give a couple because these were some of my favorite things I heard. Uh, So this was the sequel came out. uh, 1981 sequel came out uh, where, again, it's a direct uh, uh, jump from the the first movie into what's happening on the streets of Haddonfield after after Michael's rampage. Uh, After that, they intended to bring Michael back. And uh, there were a couple of ideas for part two and, and then really part four and part five that happened later in the 80s. But um, my personal favorite was uh, this was around the time that Miami Vice and MTV were really big and they wanted an MTV influenced uh, Halloween series. <laughs> and so they were going to they were going to have a sequel that jumps to uh, Laurie Strode living in a high rise apartment in Los Angeles as a journalist. <laughs> Michael and, wearing lots of pastels, popped collars. Oh God, I, I didn't say that, but man, I wish. But it, it did. It, it did involve. It did involve um, <laughs> uh, Michael killing. I think the rock star that Laurie is dating, and then <laughs> and then stealing his Porsche. And then there's a crowd of people lined up to see the Halloween movie, and he runs them down in a Porsche 928. Which I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty bold choice. Also about the laziest way to when someone and they say make it like MTV and it's like okay she's dating a rock star <laughs> yeah it's pretty late and I guess they said it was like uh, they would have Michael kill the guy while he's watching his own music video like in the background you see Michael killing this guy <laughs> it's like all right um I mean I would I would I would see it <laughs> I I would I want to watch it now because it would be so insane. Uh, it sounds like it would have been pretty much suicide to just to just let that happen. And also, I should point out this was after uh, I think uh, Carpenter and Hill had made it pretty well known that they were not interested in coming back. And I think <laughs> it, this may have even been for Halloween Four. Um, uh, the because John Carpenter and Deborah Hill sold their rights to the series, the, or at least the creative rights, I think, to the series. And I think about 1986 or 1987 when the producers and hill and carpenter couldn't come to an agreement on how to move forward and i think uh uh mustafa Akkad was was almost ready to sue i believe i think um on on the fact that he couldn't monetize the franchise because uh carpenter and hill wouldn't sign off so they 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 sold their stake and that was that was really what launched halloween 4 and then halloween 5 and 88 and 89 uh but a couple of other ideas that popped up around those were uh uh, Michael becomes a a monster where when you shoot him, he grows kind of like the Incredible Hulk into this giant sort of beast creature. Uh, and then the, in part six, they wanted to do this thing where uh, Michael 
Michael could only be defeated by being pushed through an interdimensional portal that existed <laughs> at Judith Meyer's grave. <laughs> and that's actually kind of fun because they left it I open. Mean, of, oh, 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 and here's why that's important. You could only do it during the season of Samhain, which takes place on between midnight oh, uh, on, on, on Halloween on October 31st and 1 a.m. on uh, November 1st. So it's a one hour period and it was <laughs> yeah. supposed to end with with the characters realizing that it was one fifteen and that maybe they hadn't actually pushed Michael back through. Uh, and so that was sort of a build of, of what happens, you know, to the franchise uh, or some of the ideas that are being kicked around the franchise. And these are people who are paid to actually generate these things. These aren't just, you know, made up fan ideas. These are, these are people who are commissioned and paid <laughs> to generate scripts and, and screenplays. And uh, the final one, that, again, I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but the final one that sort of hit me over, over the head was, uh, apparently in the mid 1990s john carpenter i can't remember what the name of the, which studio he was with to try and do this but was trying to buy back the rights uh, ultimately it went to the weinsteins and, and the dimension slash miramax uh group who who did a run of probably moderately successful halloween fran- uh, sequels in, in the mid late 90s but uh carpenter was trying to buy it back because he's like it's already it, you know i think i think he saw there was there's potential there probably some pride tied up in seeing people pretty well butcher what he, he had put put together uh but the, his idea and i, I can't this is probably tongue-in-cheek because i think carpenter carpenter was this pretty cynical guy but uh he wanted to send michael myers to space to ravage a space colony uh it's just a new idea for how to, how to do it with halloween um ironically there's you could argue that maybe somebody stole that idea and did when they did jason x and jason gets gets blasted into space <laughs> so that's uh anyway so that was the, the type of sequels that were kind of kicking around that didn't make it to the big screen uh between the end of the 1978 movie and and the 2018 when we're, we're talking about here today uh but it's i don't know i, I had a lot of fun listening to the the taking shape just because uh you kind of think like maybe maybe you come up with an idea for something and that's ah, stupid there's no way that would ever make it and then you hear the shit that's actually floating out there and being paid for uh for people to try on and see if it works <laughs> it's like well maybe my ideas aren't that, that dumb after all yeah, yeah, yeah. no that yeah the taking the i've done the first taking shape book which is fantastic um but not the not the second one but that's that's pretty awesome and i sequel's like a self-esteem booster because again you'll just be like oh but, i mean i don't have, but, I don't have that bad of ideas so. the interdimensional portal like for halloween six like not that far off from just like what they did like yeah in I terms mean, I would, of being like was any better crazy <laughs> yeah and they and they they also tied it back to a family member a long lost family member of, of michael myers that that has to has to do it or he's after i don't know it, it I, so long suffice to say i i am i'm pleased that they have abandoned the uh the the whole plot line of anything that takes place between uh you know two minutes after the night, the first movie into the start of this movie. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. And in sending stuff back and forth, um, one of the things that struck me watching this, I was always like, man, like that first Halloween movie is perfect. Especially with that ending. Like it's crazy to have done um, sequels to that. But if you're going to, this was kind of the way to do it. Just you in 1981 or 79 or whatever. 
you weren't going to be able to tell the producers, all right, you guys got to wait for 2018 <laughs> when Lori's <laughs> yeah, uh, age and has dealt with all this trauma. And um, he's like, cause it's actually feels like the proper amount of time to respect the original. But then you get such a different angle of Lori's dealt with the trauma from this that you can tackle instead of just being another like teen, young 20s girl being attacked by a slasher. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good point. And, and to the some of the sequels credits uh, are credit. Uh, they did try to deal with the trauma aspect. I think Halloween H two O does does have a subplot of uh, uh, Laurie Strode is an alcoholic and trying to hide her past from her her child. Uh, and you know, the, the, it's a they do an okay job with it. Again, it's Jamie Lee Curtis probably making something yeah bigger than what's on the page uh, happen. Uh, and I think. Uh, the sequels do try and address some of that and, and that becomes a very much a, a focal point for this movie too and then um i guess just just jumping into it uh this is taking place exactly 40 years after the events of the first movie uh it focuses around laurie strode uh probably in her 60 uh late 50s early 60s i guess yeah so 40 years later she's going to be 57 if yeah because she was yeah probably 17, 17 in the, the original one. that's I, yeah. I was doing a lot of that math with um <laughs> the cop who ends up helping her will Patton. yeah trying to figure out like how old he would be that's what i was trying to do in the and so, yeah. and, like, just i was adding, like yeah yeah that actually hit me last night i was like wait and then gotta, being like gotta... okay when did she have her daughter judy Greer? yeah <laughs> so then when did she have her daughter and doing like man they were all pretty young and yeah, but but i i do like the, i do like a lot of the characters in this and it feels like after uh, the genre for forty for forty years, and and even this movie series for forty years, just put an emphasis on the you know uh, immoral teenagers and sort of despicable parents as people that are easy to kill or pick off. I liked all the characters in this. I liked the family. Uh, I liked I liked uh, Laurie Strode being back, but but somewhat sad because she's she's had a, a very tough life trying to come to terms with everything that she went through in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, Judy Greer plays her daughter, who uh, I think she's a kind of a high water mark for the movie as well. Uh, and, and Judy Greer's character is Karen, Karen right? Yeah, uh, Karen. <laughs> she has she's married. She has a uh, a daughter, uh, Allison, and a kind of goofy husband. We'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're living a very pretty normal life. While while you see Lori uh, juxtaposed to Lori living out in the woods in this, uh, effectively, it's a cabin that she's fortified. Uh, with uh, preparing for Michael to come back, and it, it seems like that was that's been the crux of her her last forty years is just preparing, arming herself for for the the eventuality that Michael's going to break out and and gonna and gonna return. So it, it deals a lot with Laurie's trauma of the the events of nineteen seventy eight, but then really shows you uh, the the paranoia that she's that subsisted within her for the last forty years as well, and and how that that's trickled down to affect her. Her family life, um, her, her and Karen have a pretty strained relationship, but they do show quite a bit that that Laurie and her granddaughter Allison have have a good relationship. So I don't know. I, I really like the uh, I really like the whole family dynamic, and it, and it felt to your point, you know, compared to some of these sequels, it felt pretty grounded and felt fairly real. That you know, I could see somebody like Laurie Strode, who seems like she's going to have this great life. She's super smart. Uh, all of a sudden has this big event that just just derails her entire life so uh, i i actually it was weird weirdly relatable in, in that regard 
Yeah, because in the beginning, so a couple of journalists or podcasters are kind of the impetus to giving us a lot of exposition or also of kind of Michael coming back and some other stuff we'll get into. I'm going the inter- or interviewing Lori and she's like real, I mean, uh, not very friendly, um, but because of the history we know with her, um, we're kind of on her side a bit with it. But one thing that struck me watching it was, so if you have the original and Michael Myers, what kills like five people? Yeah, I think it's five. It's um, Bob, Bob so I, Linda, I mean, Annie, a dog. Very, <laughs> uh well, he kills the mechanic guy um that guy too um yeah and i guess judith originally but anyway uh so i don't i don't fully buy i mean i guess this happens at times but i don't fully buy 40 years later there's podcasters from another country <laughs> coming to research this of this lore and so a bit of this movie even though we're like throwing out the canon of all the other sequels i feel it is still expecting the audience to view michael that way and to view to revere him that yeah like he's become an icon that i don't know if just coming off the one movie if like because this posits that he's been in Smith's Grove for 40 years. Yeah, that, I, I didn't like that. that. That didn't make a lot of sense to me that you put him back in the place that he very easily escaped from before. <laughs> of course, logically. Strange. Um, Strange choice. So that's the, some of the disconnect I always have with this movie. I do feel they're wanting you to plot-wise throughout the sequels, but spiritually still honor them at times and i don't necessarily mind that it just occasionally bumps me in the movie of like well wait a minute like they really like michael is this famous well they they touch on it in the movie i think uh, i think it's cameron uh, it's, it's it's lonnie's son that's dating uh allison and this i think he even says i think it's him or no maybe it's the other teenagers uh they say he only killed five people and it, it, that kind of puts it in perspective you know that over 40 years um, enough horrible shit has happened that that's not really a relevant uh, statement anymore for for you know or not relevant, but maybe it's not a it's not a big enough shock to people at this point to to maybe hold Michael in that kind of regard. To your point, yeah, yeah, that's also kind of a fun touch of just commenting on the way like horror movies have changed and the world has changed. Um, <laughs> yeah. A bit too, but uh, for the worse, like, um, <laughs> yeah, the worst. yeah, but yeah, I was kind of saying, oh, like someone who killed five people in like 1978. Um, it's almost like I no big deal. They just they sort of sort of pass it off, like okay, that you almost expect that to be forgotten in yeah. this day and age. Uh, um, yeah, which is obviously very sad. <laughs> and I, well, and I, I thought about it more. One that that is sad, but two, I think. I think what they're also trying to allude to, because you and I, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but there's a scene where Michael's escaped and he's back into the uh, into the suburbs of Haddonfield. He breaks into a house, kills a lady with a hammer uh, for no real, no real apparent reason. And then there's a baby crying and, he, and Michael just walks in her back door, kills her, walks out the front door. And you're not really sure if he's going to hurt the baby or you, you don't really know where it's going to go. I think they're setting some of that up to just show you that Haddonfield has forgotten its own history of, of what happened and that they're they're exposed to to Michael coming back and, and 
and hurting them again. And I, th- I think I think that's part of what they're trying to set up with that that line too. Mm. That he's not as dangerous as as maybe people realize. Because he's dangerous as shit in this. I mean, I, th- I think the body yeah. count, I think he killed seventeen people. <laughs> it, that was that was the one. I'm jumping around. Sorry, but that was the one thing that really stood out to me was man, he like. It's like he's just got some real pinup frustration. <laughs> well, I guess it's been forty straight. years. It's been forty years. So, but he's um, he's not forgotten his aspirations as a set decorator. <laughs> <laughs> so that oh no, he really decorates the set at the end of this. Uh, so so you touched on that. You did, I don't think you liked the opening with the podcasters as much as maybe I did. Um, yeah, some of it, it gives me more of the vibes from like the Rob Zombie ones. Some of it. And I, I get they're kind of announcing a bit maybe what they're doing. I do like it visually. Yeah. A bit. I, I'm not sure what it's trying to communicate, that checkerboard. No, vis- visually it's fantastic to but me. And I, it I think looks it's very good. It's very interesting, but you're right. I feel like that's not something they would practically practically do in one of those facilities. Um and, and maybe it's what I'm talking about that. I, it, kind of its purpose is bringing us back into this world that's ignoring all the sequels. Um, it's, it may just be something that like bumps my brain of that. I'm not watching the movie. I'm trying to catch up on, okay, what is this movie going to be doing and trying to do? Uh, and then I'm always, <laughs> they have Michael and he doesn't have the mask on cause he's um, in Smith Groves, but they're always shooting around, like showing his face. And I, that gets distracting to me a bit because I'm always like, trying to look at his face because it's like Michael Myers. Um, but like they're intentionally shooting it. So you're never really going to see it. Yeah, uh, they, they show his face. I mean, it's fun in the first but, one because it's sort of this, this really quick sh- shot of like, Oh, that's, that's what he actually looks like. But in this, it's like, you pretty much see him directly. A lot of them. I, I was surprised how much you see. It's his fast, face. but yeah, it doesn't. Um, like if you just saw it like once in the theater, <laughs> They're pretty quick glimpses, kind of like the first, but um, but they do it several times. Uh, but it, I mean, it makes sense. Um, in the opening, like he's been locked up, he doesn't have the mask, which is interesting. The podcaster, um, they bring the mask back, and it really kind of posits like the mask is like possessed with evil, um, as well, or like the combination of the mask and Michael reuniting. Yeah, I, I. I go back and forth on on, on what, what they're trying to accomplish there. I, I, I took it on face value that they needed, to your point, they needed a way to have 40 years of exposition without just yeah. like giving you a scrawl, like a, like a Star Wars scrawl at the beginning. Um, oh, man, it gets really lazy when they go interview Laurie in the one podcast. They're like, second question, uh, how did it feel when your daughter got taken away? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Like, how do we communicate that Laurie has a daughter? And she's, <laughs> and she's dysfunctional. Yeah. Like, they, uh, they, they had some good – I did like the exposition uh, of of their – they're listening to the, the tapes of Loomis being interviewed. And, and, and I think it's – it's supposed to take place within the year after the, the, the events of the original movie. And Loomis is, is effectively just saying he, he thinks they should kill Michael. <laughs> like yeah. they just, they put, they basically put him down because he's, he's so dangerous. And I, th- that I liked that. I, I didn't like the podcasters going and sitting at Judith's grave and then narrating how she gets murdered. And it's like, well, all right, I guess if you needed to show them, show the audience, these people have it coming. 
that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, that's one of like I didn't like I didn't like the I didn't like the characters because of what they were doing, but I liked yeah. the choice for the movie. It felt like I and to what you were talking about of kind of selling like people aren't taking Michael seriously as the threat that they should be. It really feels like these people are being like, oh, we live in the modern world. Like we don't have to worry about something from the 70s coming to hurt us. Um and are very cavalier in what they're doing. Um but I I I I'm I'm fine with the the biggest leap to me was that somehow this this guy who's not from, from the United States <laughs> has a friend in the Justice Department who's also given him uh, uh, a lot of physical evidence from the original killer, yeah. <laughs> i.e. the killer's mask. It just it's one of those things where it just seems like that's a pretty big stretch. Uh, but but I mean, you know. So lo- long story short, it's the it's the eve of Halloween. Michael is being transported into this. Uh, uh, and I'm sorry, we actually should have should have set up. Uh, Michael's being transported to. It sounds like he's being transported to like a maximum security facility, where he'll just he's supposed to go there to die effectively. Like he's he's never going to get out. There's no chance he'll ever be paroled. And he goes there, and and his his doctor, uh, Doctor Sartain, uh, who was Loomis's protege, travels with him. Of course, uh, there's this bus crash. The inmates escape. Uh, and then it really sets up the stakes because they, they have Michael uh, attack a father and then kill a kid so he can steal yeah. a car. Uh, so it's like, okay, you can kind of understand the rules have changed from whatever happened last time. And uh, that's sort of the jump point for the rest of the story. Uh, and then Sartain, of course, is shot in the middle of that uh, by the kid, which I thought was kind of funny. That actually I, it was one of those <laughs> things I forgot about. There were this little kid shoots shoots an adult and he's like oh shit <laughs> i really enjoyed that that felt pretty real to me i was like yeah I can see yeah um, um yeah and i forget a lot of stuff with the doctor too um i think my brain latched onto everything that happened with Lori so much um, yeah forget some of them from the other ones from, and he's uh he's a pretty good loomis um surrogate <laughs> he's not as unhinged but uh he definitely or he's a- or he's more unhinged. Well, <laughs> I don't know which. He he is more unhinged in terms of his actions, but I think the way he's playing it, he is he is not. Yeah, he's definitely he's not a little uh, like drunk Donald Pleasance levels of crazy. Well, and like the other, until he is like you realize he's completely unhinged. The other characters in the movie don't view him as a as Loomis unhinged. type quite yeah, yeah, to yeah. the degree. Like Loomis is like a ranting maniac. Yeah, everybody takes him takes him pretty seriously. Uh, and I think so. I, I did enjoy that that Michael effectively drives to the gas station. I'm assuming it's just uh, dumb luck, but he runs into the journalists at the gas station, and they do a great job of the gas. The journalists are getting gas. One goes in to use the restroom, and uh, it's out of focus. But you see Michael's the truck he's stolen uh, kind of roll up in the background, and you just see this guy in in uh, white uh, uh, asylum smock. Uh, slowly kind of move across the background and uh, uh, that builds to uh, I, I did think this was funny that in the course of like two minutes Michael kills two people and then takes all the teeth of one of the guys <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like uh, that felt like I think you mentioned it earlier but that felt like a pretty big allusion to to the start of Halloween 4 when Michael breaks out and goes to a gas station and steals a steals a jumpsuit from a from a mechanic yeah it felt like they were nodding at least to yeah. some of the sequ- the sequels 
and that's it. But and it's all, um, I don't mind it, but it it does feel a bit reverse engineered. Of Michael needs to get the mask back. How is that going to happen? And it like all starts with like, okay, well he's going to kill people who have it. Well, why do they have it? Um, they're doing a story about Michael Myers and interview him or try to interview him and uh, and it's you know it's a movie you, you gotta have a plot somehow you can always claim that you know things but it doesn't necessarily feel the most organic way but uh it feels about a, as clean as you can get without over yeah. over complicating but they're also two pretty good characters for there's some kills before them but they're the first characters we've really spent time with yeah that get killed um but it feels like a good way to get some good kills in that you're not super attached to these people. Like you're not the emotional stakes are smaller yeah, than they would be, but there are some emotional stakes. So it's a nice buildup of, it's not just like a random stranger you haven't seen at all, but it's someone who's kind of come across as unlikable yeah, in the movie, but you don't hate them. And so, yeah, it's a nice buildup of um, an early kill in a, in a slasher movie. Yeah, but it man, it it fucking goes to eleven after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that 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 cuts to, uh, and we forgot to actually mention between all of that, they did a uh, the opening scene with the or the the opening credits scrawl. Uh, man, that's a lot of fun. Um, it's the it's a, I guess it's just like a uh, disintegrated not disintegrated. What's the word? It's like a it's like a a pumpkin that started to fall apart. And and the whole uh, oh yeah the rotted yeah it's rotted or, yeah that's that's the word it's a rotted pumpkin <laughs> I can't use my I have no vocabulary <laughs> but it's a rotted pumpkin uh, that's that's coming back to life in reverse or jack o' lantern that's coming back to life in reverse with the credits shot shot to the right of it so it's an allusion to the first one but I think it's a really cool metaphor for for Michael coming back from not from the yeah credits, it's a, really but no it's an obvious but very cool visual metaphor yeah. for tying it to the original and establishing like Michael's back. Yeah. I, I I loved it. I was so happy to see them, them do that, especially after some of the sequels where uh, they've got, you know, pumpkins being slashed at, and that was the <laughs> credits or, you know, something like that. So, or, or, or the, the weird, the weird pumpkin opening up, I think in Halloween two, where it's like this weird slow reveal of a, a skull or something. What is it? Oh God! Remember yeah, that? I haven't seen that in a little bit. It's like it's like curtains. It's like uh, chartreuse c- curtains opening up in front of a pumpkin or something. It's it's interesting but but strange. But uh, yeah, I, I love that touch. I thought it was such a cool cool homage uh, to the first one. Uh, but but yeah, you you kind of jump into then seeing the characters in their real lives while Michael's dispatching people, and so that brings us to uh, Judy Greer's family. And I can't remember for the life of me. <laughs> her husband's name ray ray okay yeah. ray is a real goofball <laughs> oh yeah do you want to talk talk about ray and peanut butter uh, well i it took it took me a little while to find my footing whether or not i liked him and by the end uh, I, I, la- I landed I on liking him, him. well because our first introduction to him is he's making like lunches and like one i don't know how you spill peanut butter but i guess he like somehow spilled peanut butter and says I got peanut butter on my penis. His his wife and his daughter. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out what 
what the hell that means other than literally it means he's really tall or they have really low counters that's what it means Uh, (laughs) i i mean it certainly establishes his character as a certain type of person but i I cannot think of anyone i've met in my entire life who would would ever say he's he's like fully clothed it's on his pants (laughs) like to be clear he doesn't have his dick out in some peanut butter Um, don't they um, I mean, you, I think they show his back, so you don't know what he's doing over there or why he's making that sandwich. That's true. <laughs> uh, and it's such a bizarre line and a particularly bizarre way to introduce a character. I took it as uh, they're trying to set up Karen has built a life away from Lori that, that's very normal. It's a Definitely. little, it's, it's yeah. a little more fun. Oh, not a little more fun. It's a lot more fun because nobody probably yes. as a kid likes being stuck out in the wilderness with her parent it's a gun nut trying to Trained prepare, to prepare fight michael for myers in the future <laughs> yeah. yeah um i think they're preparing it's like i think they're trying to set ray up as a sort of i don't want to say they're trying to set him up as a beta but that's beta male but that's i think kind of the idea that that oh, they're trying to sure. show you that that karen's set up a life that's never going to be prepared for for dealing with what's to come with michael myers and I think, uh, to your point, really it, establish it, it's a little on the she on the ran nose. the opposite direction from her mother. Yeah, and it's with I, someone who is like as unserious as putting peanut up uh, peanut butter on his penis. <laughs> yeah. I I did like the uh, speaking about Karen. I did like the the whole uh, she wears Christmas sweaters on Halloween just to sort of thumb her nose at everything she's gone through. Oh, I, I, I didn't I, notice that. I think she's wearing it at the very. I think That's it's like, nice. She wears it at the very end, and then she's wearing it throughout Halloween Kills. Uh, so okay. be on the lookout. <laughs> well, I will now. <laughs> but I really, I really liked, I liked her character a lot. Um, she felt like a very real kind of lived-in character. Of you get what she's gone through, and it's very clear of somebody who's gone to a lot of therapy to try and deal with her pain, and, and that's kind of how she approaches everything. Yeah, and Judy Gray is fantastic. Yeah. So and and and. and uh well uh, well i'm not gonna jump ahead i'll I'll leave it there um but yeah i I really enjoyed her as a character i think when you have her and jamie lee curtis together you've uh i think they're them plus the way they pace the the entire third act was what really solidifies the movie for me i think you and i talked about it and i it's probably a criticism i guess but but I I pretty much from when Michael escapes to like the third act, I don't remember any of the stuff that happens in the middle. Yeah, I had a vague recollection of some of the other teenagers, like her her boyfriends and like the goofy friends, a little bit of that stuff. But yeah, it really my memory latched on to like the Laurie Strode story. Yeah, same, same. And I uh, I I, I'd forgotten. And actually, we're about to talk about it, but. That first uh, babysitter kill was it, it. I had completely forgotten about all of that, um, but and I, well, and I think there's a reason for that. I think the movie wants to. I mean, that was definitely a trend with some of these remakes at this time, or not remakes necessarily, but sequels of. It wants to kind of go beat for beat at times of the original movie, yeah. so it's trying to have. Um, yeah, Allison like runs into some friends or like he's walking to school with other friends and they're like talking about and they like, very similar to um Lori Lori and uh, uh Annie, Annie and, uh, and Linda. Linda yeah 
and establish that dynamic. But because they've got all these other characters to serve, um, they just don't have the time to put into those teenage relationships. Yeah. Um, so they true. get short shrift a bit where those characters just don't stand out the way Annie and Linda do. And so when the one, I think it's Vicky gets killed it's like i, well, could, I couldn't remember what her name was yeah so I'm, was... I'm looking at the imdb of it now that's how, <laughs> that's how i know um no but you're right they don't they don't have the you the don't have of time to but you've not invested up. into her the way you've invested into like annie and linda yeah in the original um i'm so it's still like the scenes are good the emotions attachment you have to these characters hasn't quite uh been fully established the way it is did they, when they so Vicky is babysitting and she can't go to this uh, school dance that that <laughs> Allison's at and, and I can't remember it looked like they're in the Doyle house from the first one was that supposed I need to I need to go look it up because it, it felt like it did feel similar I'm not like the layout or the footprint of the house was the same or, or very similar and, and or they were trying to at least get that that feeling that hey, hey we're, you're kind of in the same same location where all this happened i don't know it was just one of those things where it was tough to tough to read exactly what they were trying to do with it other than than drawing a kind of an homage to the first one it felt similar but at but, times like flipped yeah like, um, it, like the floor plan was set, almost what, floor, yeah it's it's yeah. like it's like in, in the suburbs well and maybe this is maybe this, it was this like sometimes in the suburbs you like make a, a friend in your neighborhood and you go to their house like oh your house is my house in reverse <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually looking at my neighbor's like house the, across the street yesterday, and it's like, oh yeah, it is the exact same house as ours, except the garage is on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> like oh okay, got it. <laughs> Complete lack of creativity. And it's like, um, oh, when they built this neighborhood, they had three floor plans, and it just alternates. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly, and Michael knows all of them. Um, <laughs> Michael's been studying. The- he's been studying the floor plan of three different house types. <laughs> he's like, well, I could kill people in the bathroom, or I could kill them in the kitchen, or I could do it in this one bedroom. But but this has only got a half bath. Um, I, I did enjoy the, the boogeyman thing where the, the little boy comes down the stairs to try and warn the, the babysitter. Who's of course trying to, to sleep with her boyfriend. Uh, yeah, which I, I enjoyed that. I thought of, it was funny. A nod yeah. to that. Although, although she says to him, like, I forget what she like, uh, but something along the lines, like, I'm going to like dry hump, like the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, uh, which is just. <laughs> That's, Funny that's how like, to 2018 sexless movie. <laughs> these movies have gone to period how it's extremely horny. Yeah, well, oh, don't worry. Oscar helps make up some of that gap. We'll, we'll talk on that in a second. But <laughs> uh, poor Oscar. Poor Oscar. Uh, but I, I did. I did like the the setup of Michael Myers is actually just hanging out in this kid's closet, waiting. <laughs> And then, which bone I had to pick was like she goes to check the kid's room because he's doesn't scared. Act, he doesn't yeah. check the closet. <laughs> like, shitty babysitter. Shitty, <laughs> shitty babysitter. <laughs> to your question last week, would you still? All right, would you sub? Would you substitute any of the babysitters from this movie in for Laurie Strode? To your question last week of what are you willing to pay? <laughs> I would not. Uh, I I would maybe. Well, I don't know. I guess. You don't really see enough of it to kind of make. I, I guess, but I guess we we do learn the plan for this girl is, uh, she's gonna send the kid to bed. Her boyfriend's gonna come over. They're gonna get high and fool around. So, she's nicer than Annie. I'll give her that. Uh, same poor choices. That's the problem. but. Um, and then you know, critical moment of actually a killer in the house really drops the ball on uh, checking the closet there. So 
that was be a tough sell. <laughs> I did like that. That that uh, the kid runs away uh, and he tees up the boyfriend downstairs, who's just who's just uh, blazing in the garage and actually like knocks yeah. over the, the the people's house who own the house's uh, motorcycle. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, that seems like something a, a dumb teenager would do. hundred uh, percent. Yeah, it keeps then, that trend of the original of teenagers yeah. being completely like irresponsible and like no regard for other people. But I, I kind of got like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe when uh, uh, Vicky's trying to escape the room that Michael's in. I think he stabs her right when he he reveals himself, and then she tries to escape, and then he grabs her foot and pulls her slowly. He finally, yeah, pulls her back in there, and then he just slams the door. Like it's like the, it punctuates basically what 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 happens to her. You don't you don't see the next part, and you know the boyfriend tries to go upstairs to try and. Uh, intercede but you don't see what happens to him they reveal that later but uh i did like it was like a texas chainsaw massacre scene of, of when um i can't remember what the actress's name is but she's running off the front porch of leatherface's house and he just comes out and just grabs her and pulls her back in and slams the, for the front door and it's just silence and it's it's just a really eerie spooky way to punctuate yeah and it's like we've, we've seen some decent kills for a, a slasher movie but um it is sometimes effective to not see it yeah. and just imagine what, Oh my God, what's happening to her in that room alone with Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think, I think that was a good way to do it. And, and, they, and you, they do reveal it not too long after that. Uh, Will Patton, who uh, he plays what is deputy Hawkins, I think. Yeah. Oh, before you jump to that, oh, sorry. Um, I wanted my to bad. hit on one thing at the beginning of the scene. Oh, you um, hit it. You hit it. <laughs> that is kind of um, something I, I really like in the movie thematically um so vicky like her boyfriend calls and she's talking and she's trying to talk in code that um he's gonna bring marijuana over they're gonna get high um and so she's like alakazam or something and like the kid immediately like after she gets off the phone's like i know what you're gonna do you guys are gonna <laughs> smoke pot and get high and she's like what no he's like i'm not stupid i know what that means <laughs> um and it's it's but then and then go with the like um they're kind of talking about not going all the way to intercourse. It's that it's a very interesting kind of commentary on the way like kids and teenagers have changed since the seventies. Like kids um, are more aware, but maybe a little bit smarter about some. Yeah. Things and, like they have some things others. they're extremely mature about and yeah. some things. And, and it may be in a way it is more maturity to be like, Oh, I'm 17. Like I'm not, prepared for the consequences of like yeah. casual sex um yeah or something or just like the way um it, it was just very interesting I, I really enjoyed kind of seeing how teenagers from 78 to 2018 have changed and i thought they did a good job of presenting them believably i mean i i think plenty of teenagers are, are fucking in 2018 um nope. but there was nope. just so much more awareness for these teens of we live in a world where bad stuff can't happen or like um but they're still irresponsible teenagers like well i think that's just what kind of being a teenager is is probably the idea that you think you're more ready for something than you actually are and and, and you don't know enough yet to actually know that you're not ready for this yeah <laughs> uh but no uh, i I, okay. I liked the characters i do i do wish they spent more time um world building a little bit with them like they did the yeah first one. but, but you also understand that. that they've got a 
they've got 40 years of exposition they've got to lay down before they can actually and and yeah it's a halloween movie you don't want it to be two hours and 20 minutes long (laughs) no i think this is like 106 minutes and which is pretty good fast it felt like the whole thing went pretty quick and that's and that's what we talked about with the original it moves and that it needs to move it doesn't it needs to have a momentum to it um but okay but i think you were getting to the end of this uh killing the babysitter yeah I, uh, I, uh jumping actually just to jump to when will Patton, uh, uh Tippy hawkins who they they've also kind of reveal I, I was again i'll do the math on it in a second but hawkins was involved in the original 1978 event with with michael myers he's one of the, the police officers involved and they touch on that, that that's actually the focal point of the 2000 or excuse me of halloween kills which we'll talk about next week but i do like <laughs> will Patton. I like him a lot in this. I think he plays kind of that that uh, old um, wise through hard knocks uh, kind of guy pretty well, and that's that's sort of what Debbie Hawkins is supposed to be. But I did laugh because I was to your point doing the math, and I'm like, all right, let's say he's like 22 or 23 in the first one. It's like you had four years. Like this guy is like pushing social security draw <laughs> retirement age, and he's still like just like a street cop. And I'm like, that's that feels a little implausible. I don't know. I it just seems it seems yeah, a little strange. I was, like a sixty five year old man. It's like it's patrolling. I was thinking the same thing, but I get I don't know. Maybe it's just my brain filling things in. I got some vibes that like maybe he he can't had, let it go. had ascended in the department at some point, and then as he got older, maybe got scaled back. It was just kind of still hanging on. Yeah, it's probably true. To do I, this because uh, um, the sheriff comes. They seem to have. Sheriff seems to have some respect for him um, a bit in his experience, but it's definitely like a new breed, a little bit of a. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell what I can't read what the, they're trying to go for with the sheriff. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it just. It's a cowboy hat. <laughs> it's the cowboy hat. And then like the, the kind of the puns and stuff. And I'm just like, what what do you want this guy to be? And that was another character I forgot. <laughs> they, they set up a bunch of characters for Halloween kills that. Man, I yes, I forgot the sheriff was in this, which that seems kind of strange to say considering what happens. But I don't; they don't spend a lot of time with him. It's all with Hawkins. And then there's the couple that uh, it's they play a doctor and nurse that are in, that are featured pretty heavily in Halloween Kills. And as Michael's stalking the streets, you see them getting in their car to basically go to what will become the beginning of Halloween Kills. Yeah, I got excited um, when I saw them. You know the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where yeah. uh, from once upon a time jumping in a chair and like pointing at him. Yeah, where, yeah, that, that that was definitely me when they popped up. It was something else that uh, they set up too. I'm gonna go back through my notes, and I know there was something else where I'm like, "Holy shit, they set that up too." Yeah, I was I was kind of impressed, um, especially as my understanding is they kind of changed some of Halloween kills from what they originally intended when they were shooting this one. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're they right. still had some of those pieces in it, which is it's fun to see like an Easter egg like that, like after the fact of and it wasn't like it wasn't like shoehorned into this in an awkward way. It, it felt organic. It was uh, to be there. I, yeah. I, I did enjoy that. And there was so much stuff where I. I because I, I, to your point, I, like you, I, I had not watched this one since it came out. And I, I, so it's been about four years. And then I, I watched Halloween Kills probably a few months ago. And they spent so much time with those characters uh, or the, the characters we're talking about in that movie that I was like, oh, holy shit. They actually like they actually stitched it all together. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was nice to I think it, I think what I liked about it was 
it was nice to see that there was a modicum of forethought put into these movies, <laughs> which is the a- a- absolute opposite of <laughs> yeah, like Halloween like, four, five, six. Like it's yeah, all just how do we make like light how do we spend ahead. two million dollars or five million to make twenty? <laughs> yeah, it's they're light years ahead of the thinking, and so I think that that's fun that that uh, David Gordon Green and uh, the director and then Kenny Powers and and Jason <laughs> was it uh, is Jason Blo- oh, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Um, the producer. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I think Jason Blum. Is it Jason Blum or is it okay? Uh, I guess I'm so used to saying the name of the production house, but it's so it's so nice just to see that there was forethought and and, and world building that was done intelligently compared to the sequels, which were just very kind of slapdash for some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does feel insane to, to have a Halloween movie that's like extremely well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, we'll see how we feel when when Halloween ends comes out. If, if it feels like they actually can stitch the whole yeah, thing together, uh, that's gonna be hard. Th- yes, hard this one do. feels extremely well thought out and planned. And then I, I don't know if I feel the same. Well, I guess when we get to Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, next week I do want to talk about what our theories are for for where we think the. Uh, oh yeah, I'm supposed to watch Halloween Kills this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, oh, boy, I can't wait to watch that. Gather Debbie the family. <laughs> um. Uh, but like, I, 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 I that mean, would be a bizarre entry point to the series. Just watching <laughs> start the, with Halloween Kills, a non-canon sequel that that drops you into the middle of everything else. Yeah, yeah it would be a good place to start. I uh, so you want to talk about? <laughs> I think we both we both had the same feelings about it. But our our, our boy Oscar in this, do you want to talk about uh, Oscar? Yeah, um, I really like him, <laughs> and then you kind of don't like him. Um, but then it wasn't as bad as I remembered, honestly, because I knew. Okay, so there he's established Allison's boyfriend. Oscar is like his, I guess, his best friend. And it seems like there's some jealousy going on. And it's maybe from like both sides of where Oscar is losing some time with his best friend, but maybe also has a crush on Allison. Uh, but he's like handling it really, really well is like supportive of them jokes around with them um it's like nice and friendly and fun um and he just comes across as like a super fun guy but you get you see that like he's maybe trying a little he realizes that's what he should be doing if he's like, like a good person it's being supportive of them um and so you really feel for him like oh like he's kind of feeling left out a bit and you know is not as 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 his friend and so it builds a, like a lot of empathy for him. And then he's like pretty funny and charming um, and good natured when like his friend like bails on their like group Halloween costume to do one with his girlfriend. Um, and then um, I think it's Cameron, Allison's boyfriend. Yeah. Another girl kisses him at the party. He kind of kisses her. It, it's like it's it's not the most egregious thing in the world, but it's still like for like a high school it's, it's the type of thing that would end a high school relationship as well. <laughs> of, yes. Like, and then, I mean, I would say even worse, he drops her phone in this like dip. That's bowl. weird. Like, and like he gets but, pissed at her and just throws it into like the pudding. Well, they also establish he's <laughs> drunk, but he's like out of nowhere that he's drunk. Um, I don't like that character in this um, one. No, or, that's or the, the one character like, that they right. really like set up to this be uh, kind of unlikable. Uh, but anyway, so. Oscar is walking home, Allison, uh, and like being trying to be like a supportive friend, be like, "Oh, you're awesome!" Like, what? A, like, what an ass he was. But he, like, he was drunk. I'm sure he'll apologize in the morning. And, uh, um, 
And then in the moment you you kind of don't like him, Oscar like takes this opportunity to try to like kiss her. Makes a pass and, at her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, be like, and it's like, ooh, Oscar, like not the time, buddy. Like you really laid some great groundwork there of being like a really nice supportive guy and you totally like ruined it. You needed to give it like a month for like that relationship to blow up. And you were just like, and for her to realize, in, oh, Oscar's a nice guy. You're in like Flynn, buddy. You're in like yeah, Flynn. Like, it's, I know you also lay in the groundwork for the friend zone, but like you just, <laughs> it wasn't happening tonight. Like, <laughs> I, I, I did like that. that they're Ferris Bueling their way through like neighborhood uh, backyards and stuff to, to get back <laughs> yeah. home. And, uh, and, and this is obviously before anybody realizes what's going on with, with uh, Michael Myers stalking around the neighborhood. But I did like that, that scene a lot. And I think, um, the, the, that's a good setup for they find themselves Allison and, and, and Oscar find themselves in the, in the backyard of one of the neighbors and they have those motion sensor lights. And that's, that's sort of what sets lights. The entire scene is, is they trip these lights. And then Allison uh, after Oscar makes a pass, gets frustrated, tries to leave, climbs over a fence. And, and, and then Oscar is just sitting on the, from the middle of the yard, just moping. <laughs> and then you sort of have this reveal of Michael over his shoulder, you know, 20 yards back, just looming in the bushes and Oscar can't really tell what he's looking at. So he, uh, he, uh, just starts apologizing, thinking it was the, it's the, I guess it's the homeowner. He thinks yeah, it's just like lurking in the bushes, <laughs> listening to him get rejected, which I thought was really funny. Um, and, uh, uh, I think I, you and I talked both talked about, I think this could be a, a microcosm of, of how you would pitch and <clears throat> sell this entire movie. Is they start mm. using the motion sensing lights as a uh, as a as a slow build to to build tension around where Michael's going to be because you, as the audience you know who's there Oscar clearly doesn't get it and then he stops moving and then the, the motion sensing lights go off and then Michael when they come back on Michael has moved and now he's close to Oscar and uh, I don't know I, I thought that was like to use your words it's the modern equivalent of what people would use to make themselves feel safe in their homes. And it's being used now to, for Michael to help stalk and, and, and kill characters. And I thought yeah, it was such, that was such a great, a great modern, of modernization. The yeah, yeah, of I, the I, original I, of it might be evil invading the suburbs where you're supposed to be safe. And and they, they use it so effectively. I think it's like they, they pulse it like three times. And then the third time, uh, Michael's close enough to Oscar. He slashes him. And of course, Oscar tries to escape and, and gets impaled on this rod. Yeah. <laughs> it's just oh, brutal. Man. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely brutal and that's where allison sees him and sees mike and then that's where allison first realizes like holy shit like and that's happening yeah and then so that kicks off that she she gets picked up by sartain is out of the hospital with with will with a uh, hawken deputy hawkins and oh, i was they, gonna hit oh, go two more points okay. in that oscar allison michael well hurry up uh sorry uh there's two other things um i love in that that Oscar, the first time the motion lights come on, Oscar gets kind of freaked out because um, he's already just made the pass to Allison. It's blown up in his face and he's like now on edge. Um, he freaks out and and she's already mad at him and she's like, they're motion sensors, dumbass. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was a great tie of she's Lori's granddaughter that she like she, held her shit together. Smarter and kind of knows, and, knows yeah, more what's going yeah. on than, than that. Yeah. That's and then at point. one point, uh, Oscar... And he sees like Michael in the distance. Uh, says something. He's like, 
he said something like, oh, like, have you ever been like rejected by a girl? Or something? And it's just a really <laughs> funny line to Michael Myers, who like, has murdered tons of teenage girls. Um, I think he got rejected by his sister, at least. It's, it's they kind of for a brief moment that you're almost like, oh, is Michael going to have sympathy for Oscar? And be like, hey, I get it, man. <laughs> like, nope. no, 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 he just <laughs> murders him, but <laughs> straight up kills him. I, uh, that, that is a good, it, they do have little touches of that where you, you feel like, Allison is smarter than her peers. And I, I like that. And I think the ending, actually, I'll, I'll save it for here in a second, but there was a piece about the ending with, with Karen as well. I want to talk about, you know, I think you and I saw it two different ways, but, but it was, uh, it was a fun way to look at it either way. Uh, but so Allison, Allison does find uh, uh, Oscar's body on the, on the fence. She runs, this was a little strange to me. She runs to a neighbor's house. They find, and, and, and then Hawkins pulls up and they're just sitting out on their front porch with her. And I'm like, after what she just saw, and, oh, and she saw Michael, and then she sees Michael reveal himself right after, uh, right after she sees um, Oscar. They had this fantastic music sting, and I, we didn't touch on it, but man, Carpenter, Carpenter is involved in this. I, I believe he's still an executive producer in this one, but he also did the score, and they they really kicked the score in kind of high gear at this point with with a modernization of the the original 1978, uh, you know. Uh, Halloween theme and I, I love that I love that that entire sequence of uh Allison and, and Oscar and, and the yard the reveal of Michael and, and the music swell to to show you Michael's there but what I didn't get was uh Allison sees all this and then she just agrees to sit on the front porch of a house like a block away <laughs> to wait for the cops like like fuck that take me inside we're gonna sit inside <laughs> yeah that the jump from all the characters, like Allison separated from them, and then that jump from they're back at the house or like some are going to Lori's house, like it doesn't quite flow together for me either. Like I, I, I see what you're saying. There's a few moments in there. I was like, wait a minute, what are they doing? It's, it feels like it should be a bigger time hop than than what the movie shows you shows you to be. Um, it, it feels like it takes place. That whole thing takes place in 30 minutes, which is kind of the movie time equivalent of, of it, of that happening. But the reality of it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen that fast because Hawkins picks her up and he's with Sartain. who's out of the hospital now. And <laughs> then they drive like two blocks and they see Michael and then they just run him down, which I thought was actually great. It was fantastic to see <laughs> um, somebody be smart enough to just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to run him over with the car. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's don't like, they do right. that in like four or five as well. They hit they him do with it a truck at the, or something. At the or... very end, they, they, they hit him with a truck. Uh, but then he immediately stands back up. At least in this, he's incapacitated for, again, it seems like a few minutes um, rather than just him popping back up. Like a, like a, nothing ever happened. But and th- this, this also the point where uh, after, after Hawkins runs him down, uh certain <laughs> dr certain <Sartain. laughs> i would say this actor does a fantastic job um and i'm trying to think of what so he had been in a couple other things people might know him from i think he was in one of the indiana jones movies i just can't remember i, I looked at his imdb uh, uh a couple days ago and i can't remember let me see if I can find it but uh they they do reveal that certain was obsessed with he was Loomis's protege and he was obsessed with Michael Myers and he wants Michael to just speak to him. I think, is that, am I getting that right in terms of just sort of the- that he seemed, so he makes a big deal of like, he wants to hear Michael speak. Cause he wants to hear, but 
he's really obsessed with like just getting into Michael's head, it seems, of understanding what is he thinking when he kills? Or like what like, that's right. Like what is it what is his process <laughs> as a serial killer? I, I think you kinda had to have you almost don't need that role. I, I think other than he uh he's probably the impetus for the bus crash that frees Michael because he he sort of unnecessarily travels with the the bus that was supposed to take Michael to this new jail. But I, I think it's implied and they, they may even in Halloween kills tell you what happens that uh but oh but, yeah because they do some flashbacks but yeah it's, I, I i can't remember off the top of my head but it, i i think he, he he's sort of uh the, the MacGuffin for for the bus crash and and justifying how michael escaped and maybe and then he he's also the reason for for the the third act fight that they set up which is he drags michael's body he, he stabs and you think he's killed hawkins uh, he steals the police cruiser with yeah. Allison in the back, and then he puts Michael in the back with her, which oh, I thought was man. scary as shit. That, like, yeah, that's, 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 that was terrifying. terrifying when he dumps the, the Michael Myers body in there because you know he's gonna wake up. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 so he's he he's giving his exposition as they drive to Lori's house, and uh, I think Allison convinces him that Michael had said something while they're in the back seat. He stops, and that gives gives it enough time for Michael to wake up and. He basically kicks through the the back of the police cruiser, and while while he's killing uh, Sartain, uh, <laughs> Allison escapes, and yeah, is basically in running distance of of Lori's property, and uh, that that really is pretty much the setup for the whole third act, which which uh, I liked a lot. Yeah, I love them showing Allison smart enough to try to trick Sartain into letting her go. She's like, "Well, let me go, and I'll tell you what Michael said to me," uh, like identifying and. Sartain, that, real still... dumb, real dumb. Didn't yeah. think this. Did think his plan through. Let a let a teenager well, I, trick him. And it's pretty, <laughs> pretty quick. Well, it's also like really predictable when once he you see his turn. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like oh, like he's like obviously Michael's going to immediately kill him when he's like oh, I'm trying to understand you. Like yeah, and it's uh, so I enjoyed it, but it's it's a little predictable of like, and I feel it's something we've seen before in slasher movies or any kind of villain that someone is like, I just want to understand them and get in their head. And it's like, Oh, you can't, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it ends with uh, unceremoniously with, with Michael oh, Jesus. Uh, boot crushing uh, Sartre's yeah. head, which is. Yeah. Which, and I sent to you about this of the strength required to do that. It's a, one of the, so it's a really fine line and it falls differently for everybody. And that goes into the line for me of like, that's kind of superhuman strength. It is. Yeah. Um, and so I never like when it crosses into Michael being, he has to be supernatural. For any of this to make sense. I like when yeah. it's like, oh, well, he could be, but there's also an explanation where he's not. And that makes it way scarier to me of it's i don't know that it's a such a weird line of um and it's such like an arbitrary one for an individual viewer of because i'm sure there are people who are like no he's just giant and strong so like yeah he could do that um he's got old man strength that's now that's what it, that's yeah, the excuse yeah. it's just old man strength because <laughs> mike michael's what 61 62 in this as well yeah in oh, 2018 still, still strong enough to Stab a, stab a teenager through the uh, chest and hit him to a wall with a knife. <laughs> yeah. So he's still good at baby. 
Oh, we also didn't say uh, he takes he uh, takes the sheet, the bed sheet, cuts the holes out, and puts oh, it over the. I didn't even catch that. I forgot. <laughs> the babysitter's body, just like. <laughs> yeah, I did laugh at like the the old people. I will call it the old people shootout uh, around that same that same scene is Will Patton's <laughs> in the in the room and he and he's pulling back that sheet, and Lori looks up in an, in an adjacent bedroom. She she through the outdoor outside window sees Michael. She shoots, and it's a mirror. And then Michael immediately pivots and starts to walk down the hall. Will Patton, point blank almost, takes two shots and goes, Michael, and misses, runs after him. And then Laurie, I think, finally shoots him in the arm or something like that. And he keeps he keeps moving. But it, that did make me laugh. That it was just like, wow, you, everybody's a fucking crack shot until they don't until the plot needs him to not be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, but I, I, I did. I did. To your point on the supernatural, they kind of start setting it up pretty quick where Michael gets shot in the arm by Laurie and doesn't phase him. He keeps going. And then, you know, I don't know. Like in the third in the third act, it feels like he's human again because uh, after Michael uh, uh, drives a police car where he's ripped apart the face of one of the deputies yeah. and he's ripped the head off and shoved a flashlight up inside of it, yeah. which is to yeah. your point on, on decorating. <laughs> um he kills ray and then when he's trying to break into the ha- into Lori's in house which, oh i felt ahead. for ray like that was i, I didn't like it's very unceremonious like ray yeah. gets a very like quick brutal death where these like two random cops get this like super staged elaborate um, this is an interesting choice so if, if you were to be murdered by michael myers you would like it to be elaborate and decorated that he puts he puts some time into it i'd appreciate it it's good to know <laughs> i hope I hope it never happens. But I just snap my neck like I'm a fucking extra. <laughs> they do kind of treat Ray like he's an extra. Like it, it, um, it's almost like you you almost don't it, even need it, a scene. It does kind of make it, it like more tragic though. Of... It is. I don't think yeah. they ever talk about him though. I don't think. No, they're, they're... they never do. But like he dies and you never hear them say his name really. Like I, I want to look out for. It. I get I get they have other things going on. <laughs> they do, but it was just like. But yeah, you'd think. Uh, I, but yeah, I, mean... I, I, I had the same thing in the next one. I really they, want to see what they're. Do they even talk about how him? How much or... they bring him up? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it just felt like an afterthought of. Oh yeah, we uh, my husband of twenty five years murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to address it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Doctor Sartain, he was in a um, young Indiana Jones. Yeah, that that's it. My bad. Yeah. Uh, but a Turkish sure actor, and a lot of his credits are seem to be more Turkish, Turkish film. shows and movies, but a number of um, British stuff too. But okay. Uh, but I, I, I to, what I was going to say on the third act was I liked that um, Lori or he Michael tries to break into the the house. Lori's obviously have this has this fortified house, which I thought was really cool that she's got these uh, um, fortified walls and doors that, that that'll drop down and kind of basically she's built her house to make it a cage for if Michael Michael's there she can yeah. lock him in. Which I, thought I was really cool enjoyed touch. that. Is at first I, I to me oh like. She's like built her house aware that she's at some point going to be in a horror movie. Yeah, basically, yeah. she's like horror proof, um, horror movie proofed her house. And so she like goes room by room. And so when she clears one room, she has a steel gate that comes down, and it's like okay, that room's cleared. And it's um, yeah, it's, it's really and it's well, know, you, just it's, her. It's, it's fun. That she, she's hunting my aggressiveness. Of, yes, exactly. That's what I was looking for. The switch from and and it, it, that that. And they they managed to pretty successfully pivot it back and forth where 
and, and there's a whole setup where uh, they go up into I, I liked this. I thought it made me laugh because um, it was so on the nose. But uh, they go up into Lori's bedroom and there's an open door, bal- open balcony. And then there's mm. the exact same closets that she she hid in in the first Halloween, except the, the roles are reversed now where Michael's hiding somewhere in the room. She can't tell where. So she goes and checks the closets. I think Ray's body is in there. And Ray's body oh, is one, one of them. Yeah, it's crazy. Which I was like, there's no way <laughs> he pulled that off. But Which was that similar to Bob's body? Yeah, no, Bob's I think not, so. Or at, when or Lind, no, Lind, Lind is in the closet. Lind Lind is in the, uh, there's another one that's kind of folded up and stuffed in, in Linda. one of them, I think. It, yeah. it was Linda, yeah, at the very end. And I, so I thought that was interesting that, that they did they did that. And then Michael's lurking uh, across the room behind some mannequins, which I thought was weird that you just keep that in your house. But that's fine. Uh, well, whatever they heard target practice in in your bed in your bedroom i don't know <laughs> they're creepy looking <laughs> <laughs> i uh but uh they it, instead of Lori getting the final shot off i think uh, michael attacks her she gets stabbed in the stomach and then he throws her over the balcony you see her body and then michael looks back and her body's gone i thought that was such a cool and then it goes yeah. to, to allison and, and and karen trying to hide out in the basement i thought that was a fun one this is what i wanted to talk to you about though was when they when they cut to just allison and karen in the, in the basement um uh, karen's rightfully so freaking out and panicking and crying and saying she can't she can't do this and she's looking for a mom and michael figures out that the the island in the kitchen is what's oh uh, yeah we've not talked pr- about that protecting the door <laughs> panic but, room laurie's put yeah laurie's panic room is pretty pretty awesome uh, I'm building mine this weekend. <laughs> you're gonna, well, according to the movie, it's going to take you about 30 years. So <laughs> it's worth you, better, it. you better start now. <laughs> um, I, I liked Karen panicking. I read it as she was scared and she wasn't ready to, even though Lori's been preparing her, her entire life for this moment, she wasn't ready to deal with it. But as soon as Michael reveals himself, she, I, I, I looked at it as she has the resolve to actually take action and, 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 and kill him. Or do what she can to defend her family, but you 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 took it as she was baiting Michael into. Yeah, that's the way I always read it. That she was never truly like panicking, and I think it's cool her mother had trained her like oh like Michael Myers will like come for you and like and like Lori understood the psychology of like Michael Myers of like he's gonna if he like senses the weakness like he will he'll definitely he'll come. And you have to be ready, but you're gonna need to, um, like if if he's I don't know, and like in some way the way Laurie was like hunting him and he was kind of hiding, like he's not, um, he's gonna he can like disappear at times. It's like so he needs to feel like you're his prey and he's coming for you. And like the second he like frames himself in the door, she just like fires a shot right into him, um, and it like gets immediate. Like, I don't know. I, I I like both ways of reading it, but it always struck me as she was luring him in. I yours is more fun. I uh I, I might have to go back and, and rewatch that because I, I like the explanation of, of it, it's the payoff of Lori's 40 years of suffering has has been galvanized and her daughter being able to just and, uh, yeah, and like the training yeah. was worth it for this yeah, exactly. moment. Exactly. Yeah, like like all the horrible stuff they went through has, has sort of paid off. It's worth, yeah. Yeah. And, I th- and that's a that's a good point. Kind of a cool, a cool way to punctuate that. Um but yeah, so it, it I like this entire third act because mostly it's not just abject violence at this point. It, it's it's a slow burn of Michael 
stalking through the house and then Lori stalking him. And it's this kind of cat and mouse thing. I, I wish they had a little more of that tension because there's Michael kills 17 people in this. That was probably one of the things that I, it, it, it bumped me on, on watching it this time. The first one is such a slow burn to the third act. Whereas this one, the, the slow burn is the third act. <laughs> it's just it, like the whole, the whole formula of the movies inverted in, a, in, in that regard. And I, I think I liked where it's not just, you're not just seeing brutality on screen. You're just getting, uh, okay, I don't, I don't quite know where this is going to go in this moment. And remember in 2018, nobody really knew if they were going to do another one. So you really don't know where this is going to end. And, and I think every time Jamie Lee Curtis has been in a Michael Meyer or Halloween movie, people keep thinking it's going to be this big showdown of Laurie Strode and, and Michael and one of them won't survive. So I kind of feel like there was the tension when I first watched this that uh, you don't know if, if, um, if Laurie's actually going to make it or not. I think that's a fun, fun tension builder. The trailer is Halloween ends. seems like that's what they're promising. <laughs> Is the Laurie Michael showdown? Yeah, I I'm looking forward to it. Not looking forward to it. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, cautiously I, I think it's optimistic, go... but prepared for. <laughs> I've seen a lot it's... of not very good Halloween movies, and I've seen some good ones. And like, yeah, let's see what I, this one is. And I I do think they're going to have a tough act to follow with this, and then even Halloween Kills. I think if I if if I had to pick right now for the three, I know I know we've seen. It's going sequentially in time from from highest to lowest ranking and so i'm, I'm going to put this obviously uh put this at, at, you know somewhere just behind the first one but it, it definitely is above for me for what halloween kills is i like halloween kills but um i do wonder like if i've if i've kind of seen my my enjoyment waning a little bit as they progress <laughs> i'm just like man how are they gonna how are they gonna stitch this thing together to make it make it all work yeah it's I'm really curious to revisit Halloween Kills because I remember not caring for it that much. Um, but I, I, thought I don't know how much of that was just um, deviation from my expectations and yeah. maybe going into it knowing a bit more what to expect. And I remember it's got some fun. Um, you know, it's got some people back from the original one. It's got some not like there's some masks from like Halloween three. So there's some fun touches in it. And they just remember a lot of like mobs at hospitals. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very pandemic, uh, COVID pandemic oriented movie in some ways. And so I, it just, uh, I don't know. It, I, I, again, I, I watched it a few months ago or most of it a few months ago, and, and, and I think I enjoyed it. But I will say that was the one part that, that I didn't like about a Halloween movie was it was just so brutally violent. Um, I mean, Jesus, the opening is Michael murdering like nine firefighters. <laughs> yeah. Which and I, that, I will say, opening. I think it bugged me too, same <laughs> as that the way they end this is so great with the three women teaming up to dispatch Michael Myers. That they the sequel, they where you have to, like, I almost would have rather, I don't know, I guess with the story they're telling, it wouldn't make sense, but I almost would rather not see how he escaped or survived and just, but then it's like, well, then it's impossible to ever kill him. And I, so, I, th I think that's the line to have to this walk. be emotionally satisfying ending. You totally negate that by having a sequel. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. I don't know how you, I, I, I do feel bad for him. And I, I, I like the Bloomhouse guys and I like, I like obviously David Gordon green and, and Kenny powers. Um, but I, I, I do think that's, 
it, it felt like they were taking when they did the sequel this movie it felt like they were taking a, an opportunity to take a very intelligent approach to the whole series and say okay we're going to abandon the stuff that really doesn't work or isn't isn't valuable to moving a story along which is all that irish cult crap the the, the sister brother sister relationship they, they abandoned all those things but I, I did get a sense when i watched halloween kills that they had also started to paint themselves into a corner a little bit, which is really easy to do, I think, for these type of sequels. Yeah. So I'm curious if they can unwind some of the stuff I didn't like about Halloween Kills to the extent that, you know, you either get some sort of definitive answer that either Michael is supernatural or or not, <laughs> and that there's some sort of logical conclusion as to how you would you would punctuate this. I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it's gonna be tough for him. I, I I'm I'm excited yeah. to see it, but I'm also apprehensive about. Yeah, I'm probably more in the spot where, and I, I've kind of adopted <clears throat> this a lot with movies, and to a fault maybe sometimes where I don't um realize how much I'm enjoying something at times where, <laughs> um, no, because I, I've just been like burnt, especially on, like sequels and things, so many times. Um, whereas I more just have a curiosity an interest of like, well, how are they going to do this? Like what choices are they going to make? What are they going to do? Yeah. That it's a, and it's almost like protecting myself. Well, if this is terrible, <laughs> I'll still like, I'll still enjoy watching it and don't have an emotional stake in like this being a great movie. Yeah, that's true. I, I it's, that's with this one. Uh, I think I, I, I this watching it this time. I think I went into it with the idea of, excuse me uh having some more reverence for the the fact they were able to pull off what they were able to pull off here uh i'm, I'm hoping i can watch how kills this week and actually give it the same sort of thought and and, and not mm. i don't know like they're, they're kind of doing the impossible right of trying to trying to make all this make sense and make a good movie at the same time and 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 keep you engaged i don't it, it, it's tough uh, i i hope they can pull it off I, I have been reading um, not spoilers, but some fan theories on 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 what people think is is going to happen. I guess I'll save those for next week. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see how they actually can if they can succinctly wrap up the series or at least make it where there's a non Laurie Strode, a logical non Laurie Strode oriented plot line going forward. Yeah, which I, I didn't ask you. Um, so. What did you think about Michael's motivation in this when you take away Lori being his sister? You know, that goes into some of the fan theory stuff I've read, uh, which I, it, it, there are some interesting, there's some ideas out there that are fucking way out, still like left field, but there's some that I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see, I can see where you're going with this. Uh, the, the most interesting one I saw was uh, that the mask implies some sort of, there is something supernatural about the mask because that that's the jump off point for when the, the British podcasters bring <laughs> it back to him. opens up a lot of questions about a lot of... that oh, well, so original that was... hardware store that had this mask for Halloween. <laughs> I, I did like the touch. Somebody, somebody had the idea or the theory. I keep where I read it, but it was, it, it wasn't my idea. So I'm not going to take credit for it, but that the, the masks were actually secret or silver shamrock masks. So the original that Michael wore was a silver shamrock so, mask. That, which is a fun theory. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a and fun way to tie it all have. together. But uh the other one was that that he's actually just trying to go home and waiting for his parents. And, and so that he's just killing people who who are in his way. 
and and, and it, so I want to I want to look when I watch Halloween Kills. I want to go into it with that mindset of okay, well, let's see if that's where it goes because the argument was the entire third act fight with Laurie and and Karen and and Allison is only really arranged because of Sartain. Like it's not there because Michael's pursuing Laurie. It's only because Sartain's so driven kind of them places there. it there. Yeah, he he, yeah. he effectively creates the 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 fight right so I, yeah I that, because that was interesting. he's never really yeah he's never really going after lori no and even when, just even killing when she, random people yeah even when she shoots at him he he doesn't go after her he he seems yeah, to try and to just he, gets, <laughs> he just gets an uber ride to <laughs> yeah lori's uh cabin in the woods <laughs> yeah so that <laughs> yeah so i i am I'm not sure what it means yet. I I I need to. I'm gonna watch Halloween Kills with that mindset of what is he what is he trying to accomplish. But I, I don't think it's as much oriented on a revenge plot as as maybe what yeah. the original was fascinating hmm. or what the original plot line was of, of yeah. the sequels. And now I'm really curious to revisit. Just uh, yeah, watch Halloween Kills this week and see it with that mindset in mind. Well, um, and that the whole premise is, is is Michael trying to get back to his house. Is yeah. is like he's out in the wilderness where Lori's house is, and that's where Halloween Kill starts. And then I believe the sort of the 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 plot or the the, the path he takes throughout the movie is trying to get himself back to to his childhood home. So I I I'm, I'm curious uh to see with that that lens, but I do think that it was interesting theory that that you could you could argue that and the argument I saw, I'm going way, way out in left field here, is Laurie is actually the bad guy because she is pushing this fight to happen, even though technically you could say in this one, Michael didn't do anything to her, if that makes sense. Like yeah. he didn't pursue yeah. her. He still murdered a bunch of people. He did. I'm not defending, I'm not defending Michael, but I, you know, he's, he's not, he, he's not going after Laurie specifically. Why it, Michael Myers isn't she, a bad guy. She's tracking him down and, and you know, it's 40 years of, of pent up uh trauma and anger at him so yeah it, it was an interesting it idea I'll, I'll say that it was an interesting idea i'm curious and this to watch. Which she's the killer yeah or so the relentless killer well so this so. ends this ends with uh because we'll set it up for for next week uh with uh laurie and karen and, and allison trapping michael in this basement they have this really interesting sort of bladed spike thing that cuts across the top of the the, the exit of the basement yeah and then laurie turns on uh the, all the gas it looks like there's gasoline on the floor and throws a flare in and they escape the house while it starts to burn and michael's trapped in the basement and you never see michael die obviously but you see this you know, this creepy creepy shot of just him trapped staring dead-eyed back up at him while the fire's starting around him and uh allison <laughs> and karen and, and Lori flag down a pickup truck and it ends with them together supporting each other uh, as they they ride into town uh, presumably go to the hospital so i i it's it was it, I, I thought it was a great ending i loved it i thought it was a very very cool yeah, ending you know, it's very satisfying as well to your, as to your point it's, it's hard to think they're going to do a sequel off that because again it, they, they managed to conclude it with such a powerful moment and then it cuts right to a sequel. Well, it yeah, didn't this, really work. <laughs> Sorry. It is, I guess like the original sequel like picks up immediately. And yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, um, so I, one other question, ooh. but then we're running long here. We should probably get to our, uh, our categories. Go for it. Um, is Ben Tramer Karen's father? I, I hope so. 
I don't think he <laughs> yeah. is because I thought they said I thought they said it was like a maybe it's in the sequel they set up or maybe it was this one Lori that Lori basically hooked up with a guy in a, in a bar or bathroom. And that <laughs> wow. was I think I think it's this one that that like Karen, Karen didn't ever know who her dad was, but okay. I would like to see some crossovers, more crossovers. Um, maybe early ejaculation guy <laughs> crossover <laughs> Halloween ends. I don't know. Uh, and I can't remember. Maybe he does. I really wanted some. Uh, and I, I don't think he comes in Halloween Kills. I really wanted to hear oh, like, what he comes with, like what happens with Ben Trammer. <laughs> I uh, now that I guess since that second sequel's gone, I guess he doesn't get murdered by the police thinking he's uh, like a liar. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was my favorite part of Halloween. Or maybe he too. still does. I don't know. Like, I guess they were still searching for him that night. A drunk teenager that's wandering the streets and, <laughs> yeah. and happens to look exactly like the killer they're after <laughs> and then gets pinned between two cars and catches on fire. Or maybe <laughs> maybe the reveal is going to be Michael Myers did die. They arrested Ben Tramer and charged him with everything Michael Myers did. And he's been sitting for 40 years pissed off. And this I, is his revenge. I'd be pretty pissed off if I were him. I, doesn't, doesn't get laid in the first one and then is falsely accused of killing people and spends his life in jail. Okay, so Andrew, put Carl Weathers in this movie. I guess, yeah, we had, we need music for that one because I don't want you to do that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, I think you have the better idea here. I was, I, I actually liked putting him as Hawkins just because I think I like Will Patton. I don't. I don't want to take Will Patton out of this because I, I really like what he's doing in the movie. But uh, I, I think I give Michael some other foil or, or, or you know physical presence to show down against to to give you a sense that he's maybe maybe earlier on messaging his strength. Maybe you could have made him the podcaster, and and there's more of a fight there <laughs> at the beginning. I think that would have been more interesting. But. Um, I, Putting him as a deputy or something like that to me was like the only thing I could kind of come up with. But I think you, you, I'll let you go. You had, a, I think you had a way better answer than I did. Uh, I, so I was leaning towards making him Ray, the father, husband. Which I like. I like that idea. In there, also because then Carl Weathers says, "I got peanut butter on my penis." <laughs> <laughs> I think he uh, says that in Predator too. Maybe. And <laughs> uh, just have that. Um, that third act fight could have been a lot better. Well, because of his physical presence. I mean, yeah. I think the ages ages probably wouldn't work for that, that he couldn't wouldn't be married to Judy Greer. But uh, that's true. That's good. He's probably because he's more age appropriate with Lori. Yeah. That. But the physical presence of him when Michael dispatches him would be pretty. Um, I think it would mean more. But, it would feel like a more of a punctuation um, going into that third act. The only other one I could I could think of is I would be the sheriff but the sheriff is like one of the only black characters in the movie and it feels <laughs> yeah. really messed up taken away from one guy to to be like oh well, yeah. he has to be the black character clearly um, yeah i uh, i i, yeah. I, I had a hard, it's weird because our car weathers is technically older than jamie lee curtis i think it's, so yeah, it's like, so. he, he would he should be he should be like the oldest character in this so it would feel weird to try and have him have a showdown with Michael, but I, I yeah, do like I guess this category of... doesn't work as well when we're doing such contemporary movies. <laughs> contemporary movies, yeah, no, it, it doesn't. But but I I, I I like the idea of making him the dad, uh, or or making him one of the deputies that that would would have to showdown with uh, with Michael at some point. So yeah, so, um, I I didn't really have one for this because yours was so good. I was kind of, that's kind of like, well, I don't, I don't have anything better than that. So add in, uh, add in 10% more budget to the movie. 
what was the budget for this? Was it ten million or was it, it was ten million? Okay, so you get a million dollars. Was a did um yeah, and then it did uh seventy uh, domestic, like one fifty or two fifty worldwide, or it, or maybe no, it was seventy opening weekend, hundred fifty nine U.S. two fifty five okay. worldwide. So I had a massive hit. Yeah, no, this was I think far and away the the biggest of the of the series yeah. uh, or, or anything in the Halloween series. Uh, so I, if I'm taking and I, I will say this movie looks better than only a $10 million budget. Like they, for, for only $10 million, they really got their money's worth. Yeah. Think, it look, it really does look good. Uh, and I, I, I will say, so going to my, my, your question, I, I do like the way this is shot visually. It's, it's a really good looking movie. Uh, and it, and it does have some of the, the, the visual notes of the first one. Uh, but I would spend the million dollars on on getting Dean Cundy and uh, bringing him back as your DP, and then I would go and I would I would somehow resurrect or rent all of the Panaclide and Panavision anamorphic lenses they used for Halloween One, and I would shoot it on the exact same uh, sort of visual visual notes of the of the first one. I, I just I, I I've always liked Cundy's work. You get him here late in his career, but I think. To try and go back, and if you could capture the visual essence of the the first one, I think it would be a really fun, uh, fun touch. Yeah, and that just sounds fantastic. Like I can't, there's nothing better I'm going to come up with than getting to watch this shot by Dean Cundey in the uh, uh, '70s style. And this is shot on anamorphic uh, lenses for a modern movie. But I, I, what's funny is if you go, so the movie looks good. It looks really good. I, I don't, I'm not trying yes, to take away. Yeah, from it's not not uh, faulting. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think some of the charm I liked of Carpenter's original stuff was the the pan, the anamorphic lenses have this the the way they're designed is that the intent is to take a uh, basically convert a 35 millimeter film for for like a widescreen effect so it's taking a 50 millimeter lens and you're sort of stretching the the ratio and so you get this interesting distortion at the end at the edges of the lenses. And it creates the uh, interesting background when when things are out of focus. And I, 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 you can watch the old movies now, and and you can see how maybe flawed optically some of those lenses were from from the late seventies. But I like that aesthetic a lot, and I, I would love to see see this shot on on that same sort of, uh, you know, kind of vintage, uh, slightly distorted aesthetic. Yeah, that would that would be a lot of fun. I agree. So let's get him back. Let's get Dean Cundey back, <laughs> guys. He's I think he's like 75 too, but I'm sure he's he's up for it. Oh man, this is making me feel really old. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are. We are. Um, uh, and I, I will say uh, one point on just the movie as a whole. This was the first time I'd watched a, a new Halloween movie as a parent, and I think okay. uh, hmm. more than ever, Jamie Lee Curtis's character resonated with. Uh, you see that she is willing to sacrifice her relationship with her daughter if it meant that uh, she's she keeps her kid her her daughter prepared and safe for for the eventuality that Michael will return. And I don't know why, but it just resonates now as a parent so much more than watching the other movies uh, that that you can relate to that 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 really that you can see that um, Lori is somewhat selfish in this because she's created a life for herself that makes her feel safe and and but she's also pushed that on her daughter but at the end of it you can also see why she did it and that while it feels very selfish and and self-serving for it actually is a a very unselfish thing she's done because she has you know it it, only because it pays off 
Yeah, I, I think as a parent watching this, it, it was a really interesting. It gave me a, a, diff, a different lens to look at it through. Of of you, you see her motivations and why, and and she does feel vindicated at the end of this. Indeed, indeed. Well, that was a no. Weird it is. It is amazing how no. It is amazing how parenting changes your view of some of these movies. Of um, and what really changed for me becoming a parent is being able to um, watch horror movies. Um, in the one time I really couldn't, they just scared the shit out of me. Um, and I think having <laughs> like actual real world anxiety and stress of like, Oh, like, yeah, I'm worried about this, but not as worried as I am about what's going to happen to like my kids. <laughs> but, like, yeah. It kind of so, like got some perspective on yeah, what actually is concerning in the like, world. Like, what, what is like really scary is that the, yeah, the idea of dealing, dealing with something bad with my kids uh, versus, and and that's what I liked about this was was Lori feels as a parent now so much more relatable, um, which is funny because the first one's completely absent of parents whatsoever. Yeah, and you understand her motivation. She's terrified Michael Myers is coming back and yeah. going to come after her daughter. She's like, you need to be ready. Like we have to train every day, so you're every ready. <laughs> we have to do the gym kata, uh up the stairs, push up, walks, <laughs> hand walks to get ready for Michael Myers. So, I love the idea of uh, Laurie Strode. <laughs> Laurie Strode going to see Jim Cotta training and with Kurt getting Thomas. training ideas. She was the backup. If uh, they didn't send uh, Kurt Thomas to Parmistan, Laurie Strode was going to be the backup <laughs> for the game. All right. Well, I've officially uh, taken us way off in left field. So next week we've got uh, Halloween Kills, and then followed up by uh, uh, Halloween Ends. Obviously, I think when we talk about Halloween Kills next week. And then the the subsequent or forthcoming sequel, um, we'll be talking about it uh, in the absence of of knowing anything yet. But when these come out a lot, it'll be post uh, post Halloween ends. So I'm curious to see when our if whatever our predictions are, uh, if they come true. Oh yeah, I guess maybe next week we should talk about um, what we're expecting a little bit. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to I want to do it, Michael. We're gonna do it. All right. Uh, so um, I think I gave this. Oh, I don't have a good one. Uh, I guess three and three and a half uh, kitchen panic rooms out of five. Uh, I would give this. Oof. uh, I would give this four uh, jack o' lantern sheriff's officer light up heads (laughs) out of five. Nice. And shout out to the uh, massively increased uh, jack o' lantern budget on this movie compared to the original. That had like five jack o' lanterns there. This is like an orgy of jack o' lanterns in this movie. (laughs) Thank you, RG3, for that moment comment. <laughs> so, uh, cool. All right. Well, I'll catch you next week, buddy. All right. Halloween kills. Goodbye.